So, Michaela. Yes. Cat person or dog person and why? Oh, cat person. I've got three cats. Because they're cute and furry and, you know, they cuddle up to me and love me. Mm. Yeah. Sounds I've like got three. So, I had the first cat was Mudder, which is short for. I'll let our listeners. <laughs> we can imagine. Mm, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then Yoda. Yoda. Yeah. Was it one of those hairless things? No, no. It had heaps of hair. Mm. And uh, it was just very wise, you know, it had a wise face. And then Chopper came along. <laughs> but unfortunately, Chopper didn't live very long. And uh, we're not sure what happened, but. He it, went it was, to jail. <laughs> and the latest member is Jingles. Jing for short. Jingles. Got it at Christmas. Jingles. Oh, have you at least got a bell on its collar? I have. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only one that has. Ah, oh, dear. Welcome to the Tradies Business Show, helping you get off the tools and into true business ownership so you can spend more time doing the things that matter most. Now, here are your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Welcome to another episode of the Tradies Business Show podcast. I'm Michaela Clark from Tradies VA. And I'm Warwick Bidwell from the Tradies Business Toolkit. Great listeners. Morning. And we are in the city this morning and got our good gear on again. We're out about <laughs> got the today. Got good clobber on. There is. And we're at Construction Skills Queensland. And they have a lot to offer the industry as far as training, reports and advice. So really a great interview about the future trends of the industry and the growth areas and really taking a long-term strategic look at the industry, which is really important, I think. Mm, Some good insights into the areas that are going to grow and some of the changes to to trades and uh, the trades that have evolved and some that maybe haven't uh, (laughs) and need to. And uh, some of the areas for some of you young guys out there listening to the show as well that uh, might want to keep your eye on if you're coming through school or university and you happen to be listening, uh, is there some, some really good areas to get into and get upskilled in. So. Yep. So we're sitting today with uh, Paul Hodgson from Construction Skills Queensland. Welcome to the show, Paul. Thank you very much, Warren. Great to have you here. So... Uh, Paul, tell us a bit about, I guess, your background and how you came to be with CSQ and perhaps a bit about Construction Skills Queensland as well for our listeners. Okay, excellent. Oh, look, there's a, quite a journey, I guess. I've worked in uh, government, I've, I've run my own business and I've worked in consulting um, and I've worked in business advisory roles and across different industries and this is probably my first time working directly in the construction industry um, and I've been doing that since the beginning of last year at CSQ. Um, my dad was a bricklayer for all of his career, um, so I understand what it's like to be uh, part of a tradie family and the ups and downs of the uh, the industry, uh, and they're not getting paid on a Friday afternoon and can uh, bugger up your weekend. Um, so all those types of things. So I'm really, uh, and it's such an important sector that it's great to be in, involved in it. Mm, cool. I love, I love that you come from that tradie background as well. Uh, so I did some labouring. So I, I, I did enough labouring to, to keep me studying. Yeah, um, yeah. So. Uh, particularly when you had four brickies and they were just trying to drive you as fast as they could um, and uh, uh, you don't uh, you don't want to upturn a, a barrel of mud too often because yep. uh, that really does put you behind schedule. Yep. How many did you lose, mate? Uh, I think I probably only lost one. <laughs> I only you learned your lesson after you know, that. Kind of a nice plank across a nice muddy kind of site uh-huh. on a residential build um, and, uh, yep, once it, once it goes, she goes. Yep. Nice work. Well, it's good you've seen the bright side. You're in corporate now, so <laughs> getting off the job site and probably save your knees. And uh, look, things. I mean, it, it was one of the great things was sitting back at the end of the day and seeing a, 
uh, and seeing the tangible benefit of actually going, you know, feeling physically yeah. tired, but actually looking and going, I actually achieved that. And a lot of careers, a lot of people don't get to see that in there. Mm-hmm. You know, they do their job and they shuffle some paper from mm-hmm. one side of the desk to the other and they have a few meetings. And it's very difficult to get that sense of, I've accomplished something. Yeah. And you actually do really get that in building. So it was quite of a nice satisfaction at the end of the day to sort of sit back and sort of go, yep, you know, that's where we started, that's where we finished, and it's looking good. Cool. So tell us a little bit more about Construction Skills Queensland and, and what you do here. Um, so Construction Skills Queensland is a training fund um, funded through a levy. So uh, uh, people would know that there's Q-Leave, which is a portable long service leave entitlement for the Queensland industry. Um, along with the, the portable long service leave, there's a workplace health and safety levy. There's also a training levy, and we invest that training levy each year uh, on behalf of the industry into training. And we also, so we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what are the skills of the future, what will the industry look like and what does the industry do because we know that it's very difficult for a builder to think three, four, five years ahead. Sometimes it's hard to think three, four, five months ahead. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're doing some of that long-term thinking for the industry so that when the builder needs a carpenter or needs a plumber or needs a concreter, we've been thinking about it and they'll be able to access them in the market. Yeah. Mm. And where do you see the future going then for the trades? Where, where do you see, see the skills that are going to be needed going forward? Well, I think we're seeing... So we, we work right across from major project engineering construction activities. So we're working with uh, Bechtel on the, uh, on the LNG plants that are being yep. constructed on Curtis Island, um, tunnels, bridges, roads, um, all that type of infrastructure, right through the commercial. So uh, big shopping centres down to... Uh, and schools and hospitals and the like, right down to... Uh, multi-unit residential and single dwellings so right across the sectors um, that make up construction and we're seeing a change at the moment we're seeing residential change a little bit from a reliance on the single dwellings to much more sort of what you'd call commercial skills so mm-hmm. uh, you're steel fixing and you're, and you're concreting and you're working at heights scaffolding dogging rigging um, particularly around the inner city areas and um, and I think the, the thing we're always tracking as well is technology. So how does technology change? And we know that technology's always changed since the first cave man came out of the cave and went, there might be a better way um, to nail guns and to uh, uh, off-site kitchens and bathrooms and, mm. and a whole range of things. Mm. And we're seeing trends in both of those types of areas, such as more off-site work, yep. so much more prefabrication, and we're also seeing the use of ICT, so whether it's building information modelling um, or even things like robotics um, and other tools that will be available. And hopefully that won't displace tradespeople or just yeah. change the type of work that they do and hopefully in some ways take the hard yakker out some of the work mm. and, and also potentially boost productivity because it, you know, if it's a rainy day you can be working in the factory or you can be working in the office. You know, yeah. you just don't have a, a dead day, if you like. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of brickies would like a robot to maybe lay the bricks and they can just, you know... <laughs> Throw the bricks up. That's oh, it. Yeah. You know, I mean, bricklaying is really interesting. I mean, when, you know, when I was probably earliest understanding that my, you know, was, dad was, was bricklaying and he did it from the age of 14 or 15, got his, you know, technical certificate and away he went. Um, but he was building factories. And mm-hmm. if you... Um, and in fact, I even probably in the in the 80s when I was uh, late 80s when I was sort of doing some labouring for him, he was still building industrial buildings, often with blocks at that stage. But mm. but you you would rarely see a factory now that's built with anything no. other than a tilt slab. Yep. 
Um, so, but it's interesting, you know, talking to uh, Tony Bishop from the Australian Brick and Block, Block, Block Lane Training Foundation um, and looking at where Brick Lane's gone. It's actually gone to back into a craft in some ways. Mm-hmm. So it's less of a structural trade, particularly in Queensland, but it's much more now an architectural trade. Yeah. So uh, you've got to look. Uh, if any of your listeners want to have a look at the uh, the Geary building that's been built at the University of Technology Sydney, um, you know bricklayers were on that building. Uh, they were laying sixty to seventy bricks a day, and I can tell you that you know a bricklayer out there on most sites laying sixty or seventy bricks a day wouldn't be that wouldn't last wouldn't last beyond <laughs> wouldn't last beyond smoker. They'd be been asked to for work. they'd be asked to leave. So uh, so you can sort of see that bricklaying, and even if you look at you go out to to the display villages mm. and the like. Bricks are being used as a feature, uh, which is good to see, I think, from, mm. from a bricklaying perspective. Some of those old skills are coming back as being required for all the pointing and everything. Yeah, um, that's right. That have probably died off a bit that's right. uh, in some respects. Yep, yep. And I think, you know, you'll also get that craft-based approach in the renovations and the heritage-type mm. work. So, for example, you know, stone masonry. I mean, we don't build buildings with stone anymore, but there's mm. a lot of... Uh, buildings that are either being renovated or they're being or being done to match mm-hmm. or they're being used as a landscaping and an architectural feature um, so there's a number of stonemasonry uh, apprentices in Queensland at the moment um, so so trades don't really die out they kind yeah. of they, they change yep yep so there's some areas you talked about technology and some of those I guess growing aspects of uh, the trades are there areas of opportunity for... Because we have, we have quite a lot of young listeners and uh, I was reading a, a tweet from somebody this morning whose partner is currently employed um, and looking to start his own business. Are there some areas that maybe there's some great opportunities for people who are looking to develop a trade or pick a trade? Um, at the moment, certainly with the in Queensland, with the, uh, the growth of, in residential, and it's probably the only subsector that's really growing at the moment, um, we are seeing... Um, Areas such as bricklaying and tiling, as uh, as as areas of not so much skill shortage at the moment, but obviously opportunities, and it's partly because they are primarily residential trades, so yep. um, they're not so much in the commercial, so, and they're not so much in the the sort of big engineering construction projects. So uh, we're seeing those sort of opportunities. But if you know if there's a, a young person listening and they're thinking, what am I going to do with my career, then you know, I think if you're really passionate about what you want to do and you're willing to work hard, then, then you can pretty much make a success of anything mm. uh, that you want to do. And over a career, you might go through a whole range of different uh, parts of the industry. And uh, the industry will change. We will be building things, I think, virtually. Then we'll be virtu- uh, building them physically and there'll be a, a strong connection between... Uh, off-site and on-site, and then also be a strong connection between a stronger connection between the design of buildings and the planning and development, right through to the operations and maintenance. I think there'll be a lot more seamless uh, connection. So it's an exciting industry for a young person, um, and and just understanding that you know you you take control of your career and you you look at it and you sort of say, well, I'm not going to just I can't expect to have a job all the time. I have to keep reskilling, upskilling. I might need to travel, which is one of the benefits. I think if you're if you're that sort of person, you like the variety, mm. always working in different areas, working on different projects. You're not stuck behind the same desk, yep. shuffling different bits of paper across. Yep. Um, then I think it, it's a fantastic opportunity. You know, see the world, um, and 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 build a career. Mm. It's really interesting because so many 
you know, uh, tradies think they they got their ticket in their teens or early 20s and that's what they were going to do for the next 30 years. So it is really important now that they are looking at multiple skills and being able to continue to train and develop themselves so they can move with the industry trends. That's right. So, I mean, you know, it wasn't long ago I was talking to an, uh, an apprentice, a third-year apprentice, and he was an apprentice carpenter. And he said he, he actually, uh, it might, you know, the carpenters listening might choke on whatever they're eating or, or, or drinking but but he was saying that he he might he was thinking in 15 20 years a carpenter as we know it might not exist but he was thinking that in his career he was going well i'm aware of that but i think it's a really good it's a really good trade to have mm. but his career will move into other things and he's aware of that and he's he's accepting of that yeah. and i think it's really understanding that you know whatever you start with it won't be what you end with yeah. in terms of that and it is a really great industry to pick up uh, different skills, and I think that actually makes you then more employable, and it probably um, reduces that that employment risk of being in a cyclic industry as well. Yeah. Because you, you know, if there's no work for this, I've also got a skill to be able to do that. Yep. Um, and yep. I think that's really something that's really important for the sector. It's it's a bit of that whole, um, I guess, debate between being a generalist and a specialist, and. There's all sorts of different viewpoints, and uh, you know, no doubt there's there's both listening to our show. Uh, it, it really comes down to that whole uh, thing of, of being trained um, as a way of adapting to change, um, and and actually not just about the formal qualification, but uh, I guess being open to new ways of doing things. Um, is that where CSQ? comes into it or is that a big part of, of what CSQ's role is, is to yeah. make sure that people are able to adapt to the changing markets? Absolutely. So we, we try to provide a lot of information about where the work is now and where the work is likely to go so that people can make... So we don't... I mean, we're not going to tell an employee or a, or a new entrant or an employer how to run their business or, or what to do in their career, but we can certainly provide some information which helps reduce the uncertainty about, about making some of those decisions. So we, you know, we do a lot of analysis by region, by uh, the type of work that's coming, um, and look at the supply of, say, electricians or plumbers or concreters or bricklayers, um, and then model out how many are going to be required and look to see where there's a gap. And then we can identify those gaps and we can promote those gaps, which gives mm-hmm. people an opportunity to think about that. Um, and in terms of technology as well, so we, we're looking at... Uh, working out, for example, at the moment we're working on building information modelling and we're working out what are the trade skills and what's the impact going to be on a trades person. Are they going to, uh, you know, are they going to have to pick up some ICT skills? Um, is there a role that they're going to need to take on they haven't got now? And we might pilot some of those types of projects and then disseminate that information, you know, write up a case study, put it into our magazine or, or on our website or put it out somewhere so that people can access this and go, okay, so this is what building information modelling means for me. Um, so we want to try and make it as practical as, as we can. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that people in the industry are time poor. Uh, they don't want to read big reports. We like to do things... Uh, we've almost got a no more than two-page type, type approach to it and lots of diagrams and lots of pictures. That's the way I like to read things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of people in the industry that like to read that, that way as well. They don't want to go through a 100-page report and then have to read it again to work out what it meant. Yeah, exactly. So the information's available on your website? So we and, do. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. So we, um, so we, we, we take an approach so we don't really, you know, very little of what we, we do we want to keep secret. We're actually, yep. uh, we're here for the industry's benefit 
And so if we know something, if we're thinking something, if we've found out something, we want to share that with the industry as much mm -hmm. as we can. And we do that through uh, the website. We do that through an electronic, on uh, an online magazine that we put out every two two months. Um, we're on Facebook and Twitter and LinkedIn and, and YouTube. And uh, and we've now got a, a MySeSQ app as well, which provides information on events and also uh, brings in some information about uh, uh, jobs that are available out there. I'm not quite sure where we pull that information from, but but uh, but it's there. It comes from somewhere. It comes there. It might be Seek or it might be. I'm not sure where it comes from, but it'll actually. Yep. So you know, it, it, we know that um, it is a mobile industry. People are on site a lot. We think the use of smart devices, um, whether it's tablets or, or mobile phones, is is really good and it actually hopefully stops a lot of paperwork piling up mm. on the kitchen table yeah. where mm. when you get home at the end of the day you really don't want to be you want to be watching the football you want to be out with the kids or you want to be uh, relaxing you don't necessarily want to be tackling your second job yeah mm. and that's a big message that we have on the show is about embracing technology so you can work smarter and spend more time doing what you love so yeah. Yeah. that's interesting too because I, I was reading some stats recently about tradespeople and I think there's a bit of a misconception uh, that our listeners, our tradies, aren't very tech-savvy and aren't using smart devices, but um, the stats that I were looking at actually say that trade industries have a higher take-up of particularly mobile devices than a lot of others, um, and we're certainly seeing that with the podcast, and g'day to everybody who's listening on their smart device <laughs> at the moment, hopefully not sitting in the loo, but uh, are you finding that with, with the information you're pushing out? I mean, are you seeing... Trades are actually quite open to, to the use of technology. I think, like in any industry, you get a you get, there's a, a group of people that are really quite tech savvy, if you like, and then there's others that don't have email addresses, for example, yep. um, and will tell all their apprentices not to put a bring their smartphone onto the site. Um, but you know, there was a great example. I was out at, um, uh, talking to one uh, one builder and he was saying he'd taken on an apprentice um, it was a tile, tiling business uh, he'd come on as an apprentice tiler and the, the apprentice had partially completed an ICT degree and um, this this um, uh, uh, apprentice tiler had looked at the tiling that was happening in a bathroom and went well I could write up a little app on this one which would actually tell you where all the cuts needed to be and everything so you could actually do all that work and then just basically lay the tiles. Yeah, right. Um, and the builder was like, "Wow, what else can you do?" You know, so so it's about embracing yeah. that and looking at it, and and you know, because there's two different ways of looking at this. You can sort of see an apprentice looking at his iPhone on a on a job site, and you can go, "He's probably on Facebook or he's on Snapchat or he's wasting time." Yep. Or you could be going, "Well, how could you utilize that mm. that that know-how and that interest in ICT to actually make the job run better?" Yeah. Um, and there's so many apps out there now where you can even take photos of something and, and email the photo, uh, electronic invoicing, you can do all your uploading of all your accounts into Xero or something like that. Um, but even this photo type business where you can sort of say, well, you know, the electrician's or the plasterer has been, plasterer has to take a photo, sends it through, mm -hmm. the electrician goes, okay, yep, that looks okay, now I can come in, as opposed to the electrician coming in and going, well, the plasterer hasn't finished off properly or is, hasn't marked out where yeah, the, yeah. Where the yeah. PowerPoints are going to go or something and I'm going to have to go away again, all yeah. that time wasted. Exactly. Um, so just the simple use of even taking a photo and emailing it and saying, hey, does that look right? Yep, okay, I know what I'm in for when I get there, I know the tools I need. I know how long I'm probably going to be there because of how it's looking. 
can really maximise so much time. Yeah. Um, so they can listen to your podcast. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I know a lot of my clients, you know, they take photos of serial numbers and keep them on records and things like that. So when clients ring up and the part's not there or whatever, they're going, yep, no worries. They have all that information yeah. stored there, ready to go. Yep. just cuts down that back and forth. And, you know, the signing on the, the phones and that when a job's completed or work to proceed and well, things like right. that. It's all this electronic signing and documents. Really, you know, it's great. For yeah. the industry, so uh, hopefully you're going to bring out more trades that have an ICT degree as well as a trade degree. Yeah, <laughs> okay. I, and I think there is a. There's got to be something in that. Yeah. One of the things I want to really, you know, would love to see is this sort of breakdown of, um, and and I think what's going to happen is a sort of merging of, of trades and 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 you know the sort of professional type stuff, so the ICT and the engineers and mm. and everything. So you're going to get, I think you're going to get a lot of people that actually have a bit of both. Yeah. Um, because you'll be working on site, you'll be working off site. You might be working in a virtual environment, um, and so so I think the future for for the trades is actually going to be the trade skills are critical, mm. but but there'll be a whole bunch of ICT business skills um, uh, and other other types of skills that you'll need to have as well to be to be successful as a tradesperson. Yeah. I, just, I want to raise a point which might be a little contentious and putting on a spot here. I had a conversation with a tradie recently about <clears throat> some of the training uh, that RTOs are delivering and he was probably a bit uh, dirty on the whole thing and just saying that they're just rubber stamping guys that either already know what they're doing or there's going to be this crop of people coming through who are really just being shuffled through, getting a piece of paper that says they're a qualified tradesperson, getting a licence and that's going to create all these problems in the industry. Um, what would you say to that sort of attitude from, I guess, old school tradies in that respect? Yeah, look, I, I, I mean, there is, there are examples, as there are would be in any industry of uh, of uh, RTOs that are probably, if you like, uh, uh, just cranking the handle and putting people through and, and collecting money for training places. Um, we do a lot of work to look at the quality of the training that we procure. And so that, uh, you know, if anyone's kind of not delivering very well, well, they've got no chance of getting another contract and we can, we can cut a contract. Um, but the other thing I'd say, though, is that if, if, if the RTOs are there doing the training for industry, then it's really for industry to go to actually drive that and for industry to take responsibility and say to those RTOs, well, look, you're not delivering, therefore I'm not going to work with you. Mm. Um, and, to, and some of the major industry players actually set up their own enterprise-based RTO. So, so I'd say, you know, and the industry associations, you know, Master Builders, HIA, they run their own RTOs as well. So, so there is an industry involvement. So it's, um, you know, look at it. If the trainer isn't doing a good job, they're a service provider to you, then you're going to get another trainer. Yep. Or you set up your own training business, get a number of builders together. Um, or go and talk to the master builders or HIA and say, hey, look, this isn't working. Mm. Um, how can we? How can we? We get a better result here. So, so don't just take whatever training is sending your way. Yeah. What I'd say. And when we look at apprentices and trainees, and we know how important it is for people to be getting skills on the job, um, you actually need to invest as well if you're a business in doing that because most of the learning won't happen at the RTO. It won't happen in the classroom. It'll happen on the job site. And so industry's got quite a responsibility for making sure that those people coming through with the skills have got the right skills at the right level yeah. to actually deliver the outcome. It's the old thing of taking the theory and learning how to apply it in, uh, yeah, in the right. real world. Yeah, So, I mean, if I was, uh, you know, if I didn't like my bank, for example, because I didn't like the service, if I just sat and whinged about my bank, well, I'd go and find another bank. 
And then um, you could whinge about them as well. Because well, you, you, know, well, you might hide you your banks. And bank, you know, was just an example. But but if, <laughs> it's a but, one, if a, but if a builder's not very happy with a trainer, they mm. maybe go and talk to come and talk to CSQ, go and talk to others, go and talk to other builders yep. about well, where where are the good trainers? And actually, what you'll do then is the good trainers will rise up through the ranks, right? Because they get the work. Yeah. Um, but if like anything, if you if you uh, if you put up with a poor service then all you do is you keep those poor service providers in business. Yep. So what are some of the other services that Construction Skills Queensland actually provide? We've talked a lot about training, obviously, Paul, but uh, are there some other things that, that our listeners can go and access that you uh, can help them to run their business? Yeah, sure. So we, we do a lot of... Um, um, we get involved with a lot of partner organisations, and I talk about the Master Builders Association, HIA, a lot of the trade associations, um, and... Uh, and and the like. We work closely with governments. We advocate on behalf of the industry to state and federal government in terms of policy, whether it's training policy or construction policy. Um, we uh, So we take that type of role. Um, we also provide a lot of evidence and data out through and case studies um, and, and stories out to industry so that they can be informed about what's, what's going on. We use that obviously to make our own investment decisions. And um, we also then work with, um, uh, we're working in some indigenous communities looking at how we can create local careers uh, for people um, and we, we work with major project proponents. Now, um, one of the things that's important to note on major projects is that, you know, if you're building a hospital and it's a $1.5 billion hospital, there's a great opportunity for us to train up tradespeople for the industry. So we're not doing it just for that job. Um, we're actually doing it for the industry. We know that, you know, if this project's going to take four years and it's going to employ 4,000 people, for example, um, and we can train up 1,000 new entrants or 500 new entrants, get them up into the industry, then all of those people, when that job finishes, will be available for every builder across the state. Um, so we, we see it as a really good leverage point to kind of grow the talent pool, if you like, for the industry. We know it's very difficult for each builder to make that decision on behalf of the industry because you don't know what you're going to be doing in three or four years. It's a hard investment to take. You might not have the breadth of work or the depth of work to keep uh, someone busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so taking those big big opportunities, these big projects, we can actually train up and then they're available because we don't expect each builder to go and take out an appre- take on an apprentice. Great if you do and thanks for those that do. Yeah. Um, but we also know that a lot of builders go, I want a carpenter, so they want to go out and find a carpenter. Mm. Um, they don't want to go and talk to a school and find out if in two or three years uh, there's going to be a nice carpentry apprentice. They're not, you know, yeah, the they need nature of business is, right you know, you haven't, you're not thinking five or six years for your carpenter. You're thinking, yeah. can I find one today? Yeah, and it's, it's a big complaint from our listeners and certainly my clients that I work with, my tradie clients, is uh, can't get good staff. I mean, and it's probably a complaint from every industry, but yeah. uh, trying to find those suitably qualified or experienced uh, people is, is a big challenge. So It is, it is, and it particularly is if you're working on a project basis. So, um, you know, one of the things I'd encourage anyone working in the sector to do is to try and think, you know, you don't have to think a lot out, out beyond the project, but if you think about learning in the project, what, what, what are you good at? What did you enjoy doing? what could we do more of and who would we do more of that with, then you can start actually piecing together those projects into much more of a business plan. And if you've got a, a sense of what you do well and who complements you, so you work with that, that supplier and that supplier and that supplier, and, and almost you go as, a, as a, a gang, as a team, and here's, 
here's your market and you go out there and you're going to be selling into that market, then it makes it a lot easier to invest in your people because you're actually thinking, well, I'm going to try and find three or four carpenters, a couple of plumbers and an electrician, and I'm, I'm going to, I want them on all those jobs all the way through. Mm. And therefore, investing in their training and investing in their welfare is actually really good because they're going to keep, help me build my business. But if it's just a, I'm building this house, it's going to take 14 weeks, um, therefore I just need someone for that, and then I'm next house I build them out looking for someone else, that's... It's a very that's a very hard way to run run a business. Yep, we would agree. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so one thing we like to ask all our guests: if you had a thousand tradies in the room, what would be some piece of business advice that you'd like to share with them? Well, I would say sharing is probably the word. I would say if, if there's a thousand in the room, I'd say have a look around that room and actually look at the people that you could work with to actually make your job a lot easier. So uh, I think the way that all industries often go is that you know, if you've got a critical mass, then you can get some of the bigger work. You might be able to get some of the longer work. Um, but it also potentially smooths out some of those cycles. So if you're competing with the person sitting next to you in that room of a 1,000 tradies, um, it's going to be very difficult because it's win-lose. They'll win the work, means you haven't got the work. But if you're working together, um, then, you know, if he picks up the work or you pick up the work, it doesn't really matter. We can kind of share resources. And it also means we, you share the business activity statement stuff, you, you share a whole range of other stuff. So um, collaborating across the industry. I mean, there's 85,000 in Queensland uh, ABNs, ind- you know, a lot of them independent contractors. I think 87% of them have got less than half a million dollars turnover. It's very fractured, which means all those people are all running their own business. Um, even if it's just you, you're still running your business, uh, mm. you're still going to look after all that paperwork. Um, I'd say look around that room and go, let's let's see if there's a better way of doing this. Yeah, yep. great advice. Yeah, it was a great phrase I heard coined uh, or a word of co-opetition yeah, years ago of, of kind of finding ways to work with who we perceive as our competition and whether it's partnerships or cross-referrals or whatever it might be, just to leverage each other's uh, skills and experience. So yeah, that's right. It's a great point. So the, the builder across the road from you might not be your arch competitor. Um, you might think about what they do well and what you do well mm. um, and whether you could collaborate because your biggest competitor might be a manufacturing company that's going to start just trucking in prefabricated homes yeah, get blindsided um, by that. And that's right. And so you're busy struggling and competing at that micro level, um, but someone's coming over the top of you. Yeah, awesome. Advice. Good advice. Well, thanks so much for your time today, Paul. How can people find out more about Construction Skills Queensland? So uh, heading to the website's probably the best place. Yep. Um, and given people are listening to this on a podcast, they should be able to be able to find a website. And it's really easy. It's csq.org.au. Excellent. Um, and uh, that provides a lot of information. But as I said, we're across social media. We also have a call centre um, and, uh, and and the like. So there's lots of different ways to get get hold of hold of us, and we're happy to talk. Great. Great well, thanks so much for your well, time. Thanks again for your time today, Paul. Thanks, Warwick. Thanks, Michaela. Thanks. Jeez. Got a question you want answered on the show? Go to tradiesbusinessshow.com. So there you go. Great interview with Paul Hodgson from Construction Skills Queensland. It's a bit of a mouthful, isn't it? No wonder <laughs> they call it CSQ. Yep. Uh, but uh, great to hear from a brickie too. We haven't had a brickie on the show yet. No. Brickie's labourer. I thought that was a, a dying trade. <laughs> but, um, yeah, some good insights there. Um, any Anything you want to add, Michaela? Do you want to have a say? 
Well, I just think I really like the collaboration approach, the advice that he's given to the industry, like not looking at your other competitors as um, competitors, but mm. as people you can join together to take on bigger jobs or improve the industry. So I think that's a really, really key point. Yeah, I think uh, we can really put our heads together as an industry and do a much better job than we do of, uh, of playing off each other's strengths. Yep. So good points in there. So head to tradiesbusinessshow.com and you'll find out all the information there. We hope to see you in the community. Great. Until next time. Bye. You've been listening to the Tradies Business Show with Warwick Bidwell and Michaela Clark. Want to get off the tools into true business ownership? Find out how at tradiesbusinessshow.com.